Hello and welcome to Guiding Light Radio, the only podcast, to my knowledge, where you can hear the most revealing and gripping interviews from the world of pro wrestling. I'm your host, the Guiding Light Isaiah Quinn, and today I welcome one of my first guests on the show. This individual has honed his craft as one of the Northwest's premier managers on the scene. You can also hear him on commentary at various different promotions. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom McManus, how are you? I'm very well. Good to hear we're starting off lukewarm, Isaiah. Lukewarm? If I'm, one of, the, if I'm one of the first guests we've got. Good, oh, to, I mean, <laughs> good well, to see we're shooting out of the barrel the way not I too strong. It can only get better from here. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I thought when you asked me on. <laughs> Think of it as a positive in that I trust you the most on the fir- on this first podcast. Yes. That, okay. is, uh, that warms my heart. Yeah. Good, good, good. How have you been? What what's been taking up your time of late, Tom? Um Well, I've just I've just actually finished. I I took a I took a year sort of away from not everything, because I was still working in wrestling, obviously, but I, I was taking a year of finishing my master's degree. And uh, I've just returned to the world of uh, real life work um, because uh, and contrary to what everyone seems to think, wrestling doesn't pay the bills. Um, so I've just returned to real life work. I'm now an online estate agent because oh, that's right. that's the way the world is now. All online. And is it was it? An estate agent that was um, like a physical estate agent that's gone online or. No, I think they've always been online. Oh. It's, a, it's a fair. They used to be how simple. Now they're known as strike. Um, right. So I think I think they've always been online. Um, the big the big mantra I can get a cheap plug in is they'll offer to sell your house for free. So uh, mm. if you've got any any budding investors out there. You know, know wrestlers have throwaway money. Yeah, all of it, all of the the, um, disposable income. Uh, You know, they do uh, do tend to say that um, the best gimmicks are extensions of oneself. Can we expect to see Tom McManus, the estate agent, in the ring? (laughs) Yeah, I'll come come to the ring with a sold sign. (laughs) Yeah. Now... (laughs) On many podcasts, uh, Tom, the hosts would normally ask you about how you got into wrestling and how you've ended up where you are today. And that can take up the majority of the time. And to be quite frank, I don't have the attention span, especially for you. So what I'm going to ask you, Tom, uh, is if you could just give us a quick roundup of your career so far in about 30 seconds, kind of like a previously on Tom McManus kind of way. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes, right. go for it. Go. I uh, started uh, in the business with working with Marty Jones, who then tried to throw me under the bus uh, for a show not being sold out. Uh, and then I progressed from there and I've uh, still yet to sell out a show, probably. Well, that is a fantastic round of the McManus. <laughs> um, failed promoter, if it's anyone who has never heard of Tom McManus. Um, <laughs> and is interested in what he's all about. That seems to be where we are. Unfortunately, your 30 seconds have surpassed. Um, unless I, do, I do I do very quickly need to clarify the point, um, because for some reason this always gets misconstrued. 
I am not a promoter and I've never been a promoter uh, as of as of yet. So so just just whenever you're like, oh, that's Tom McManus's promotion. Stop it because it isn't. I don't I don't know of anyone who's ever said that. I, I think you've always been associated with certain promotions, but I don't think that um, I've never heard anyone say that you're the actual booker or owner. Mm. Yes, I'll I'll just I'll just make sure, doubly sure that that's mm. the case then. Well, even though you decided to focus on what can only be described as your negatives there in that thing, <laughs> um, we are aware of you doing some commentary on television recently, and uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I I think I got brought in as. Um, I was Greg Lambert's replacement for PCW when they did the buyout storyline. Mm. Um, and I was originally, I was originally supposed to come in and carry on working with Sheikh El Sham. Um, because we'd, we'd been talking about doing some stuff together at PCW for ages. And then it seemed like a perfect fit when they were doing the buyout storyline. Um, so I was originally supposed to come in as the buyouts accountant that was the pitch that h gave to pcw because he'd send me a text saying um go and buy yourself a briefcase um because you're gonna need it and then on the day of the first show that i was supposed to start working for pcw i got a message from h greg lambert and flodder saying um we want to put you on comms uh and this was after i'd They'd left <laughs> Debenhams had left the tag on this briefcase that I paid about thirty quid for. So I'd spent all morning with a pair of wire cutters trying to cut the tag off it. And then I came I came back in as soon as I'd done it and got the text message going, You're never gonna use this briefcase. Oh no, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a, a willing promotion who will take it off your hands as a kind of money in the bank briefcase, Tom. Sure, we'll we'll hang Tom McManus's briefcase from the uh, from the rafters. Yeah, I'll have all your estate agent documents in there as well. Winner gets <laughs> to your house. Winner gets a GDPR breach. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you've been doing some commentary there. Uh, I've done some commentary with you as well. Uh, I, and I couldn't only describe Tom McManus as um, evergreen and professional um, for any promoter out there who is looking to book Tom McManus. Uh, you heard it here first on Guiding Light Radio. Heard now, it in the only place you'll ever hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am your only friend in this business. And he have <laughs> you in the back. Um, you also do a lot of managing now, don't you? Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your managing style and how you've modelled yourself on a lot of the old school managers in wrestling. Tom, I'd like you to compare your managing style to one of these three types of batteries. Double A, triple A. On nine volt, Tom, which battery best reflects your managing style and why? Um, so probably a year ago, I would have said AAA because I was like, da 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 da. da. Whenever I was at ringside with someone, I'd be like trying to get as high energy as possible, like really try and like psych crowds up mm. and. Okay, triple uh, uh, A's don't do that, mate. It's not what true. I just assumed that the A's meant they were more powerful. 
don't, which I'm, is which is the more powerful of the ba- I'm not a battery uh, connoisseur, so I, I want to say the nine volt might be the most because it's the biggest. Okay, I was a nine volt mm. um, because I was always trying to be like super high energy, um, super super trying to make sure the crowd was constantly chanting um, as as much as it was. As I, I used to try and match the energy of, of whoever I was with in the ring, and like the shake used to run me ragged because he's so high in it, high energy when he's when he's really into his flow, um, when he's wrestling. Um, but I've sort of after a little bit of feedback over the last year or so, I think I've toned it down a li- little bit. I don't do quite as much, um, but I still try and make sure that I'm a positive presence for anyone whoever I'm out with. So what would you say you are now then? I would say I'm probably I would I would guess double A would be the middle. Double A. I'm I'm not quite a Heyman who just stands in who just stands in the corner while the match is on and like doesn't doesn't do anything other than offer like a presence of being there because A, I'm nowhere near that kind of name where I can do that. And B, I still kind of feel like there is a role to play when you're out there. So I try and fit that role in, but I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to distract as much. I'm trying not to take away as much by sort of not intentionally becoming an attempt to focus attention on myself. Okay. So this conversation didn't go the way I thought it would. Um, I'd go and check some um, electronic devices have a look at the battery types and maybe then we'll have to revisit this at a later date. For me, a double A battery is your, your standard battery. It's the one that uh, is use of in, in most electronics. Um, your nine volt battery isn't used as frequently. But uh, must change it every six months uh, in your smoke detectors. Uh, that's just a, a little bit of advice for our listeners out there. But it's interesting to to hear. So 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 you mentioned Paul Heyman there. Where what what type of battery is Paul Heyman? <laughs> I think we've just very much established. I don't know anything about batteries. Okay. Hey, Heyman is Heyman is probably probably one of those batteries that you can just put in there. And and you know, you know, like when that that sort of like uh, what's that really tiny battery that goes in like phones and electronic devices and stuff like that, and it just lasts for ages. That little like disc battery, you can just put it in there, and you know it's good. Like a watch battery. Yeah, like a watch battery. It'll last for years. Phone? Do you have that takes them batteries? Well, you've not been able to get into the back of phones for years, have you? So I've not actually seen any. Um, I've not, I don't think I've actually seen a phone battery in about five years. Because you used to be able to take the back off phones, but you can't do it anymore. No. no you could be any, there could be anything in there. It could be a tiny little gerbil on a wheel for all we know about. Okay, interesting. So phones are powered by these small, small batteries, and Paul Heyman is... One like the the type of manager that can kind of fit any role is kind of is is what you say in there is that correct? 
I, I think it's more the fact that you know he's going to be reliable in the situation that he's put with. He will he will fit um fit a sort of a sort of role. I'm not saying like that I think he could go with anyone okay. and yeah. work. Like he's still he's still a watch battery can only go in a watch. But I think like when you get a watch that's very, very good, it will just keep on ticking. Oh, what a brilliant analogy. He's getting it now. He's getting it. Uh, I'm behind batteries now. I'm fully behind batteries. Yeah, I mean, um, battery power could well be the way forward. Uh, How we supply the energy to them batteries is another conversation (laughs) entirely. Now, well, thanks for that, Tom. Um, Before, for those that for those that aren't aware, uh, before Guiding Light Radio, there was Guiding Light TV. Uh, during the 2020 lockdown, uh, myself, I decided to collaborate with a number of wrestlers and a number of people on in the British wrestling scene to kind of create some content, some original programming. And I marketed that as a TV channel. Now, Tom, you were one of the original people I collaborated with on programming. Can you remember what your video was about for the, the I did. I think I did impressions of celebrities as if they were wrestlers you did i think it was yeah that's correct that is correct yeah uh i can't remember off the top of my head i think you did some hugh grant i did hugh grant i've got a very good hugh grant um i think i did i did pacino as i think i did pacino as stone cold calling out bret hart Uh, yeah i think i recall that Hugh Grant was Hulk Hogan, I think. Um, and I think I did. I think I did the only one that I, I want. I wanted to go for a really solid voice that I know I can do. So I think I went for Alan Bennett, the old playwright, yeah. singing. Sh- yeah, he was singing Shawn Michaels theme tune. Yeah, or, or doing it in his own like little poetry style. Very, very niche, I thought. Yeah, very niche. Um, yeah. What we'll do is we'll try and um, somehow po- provide a link for, for that video. Uh, <laughs> when, when this part... Are we are we sure that's what we want to do? I think it's only going to bolster your credentials. Yeah, uh, yeah. And plus, it depends how many people are going to listen to this. But, um, you know, going back to the, the Guiding Light TV and the Guiding Light Radio, with every... TV channel and radio station, there are adverts, unless, of course, you're watching the BBC. Uh, So, Tom, if you had advertising space right here on Guiding Light Radio, what would you advertise? Um, I would probably advertise um, the, the sale of Many, many brightly coloured jackets that I don't wear anymore um, that are now just taking up space in my wardrobe because I went I went and went. This is too ridiculous even for me. I'm hitting I'm hitting the partridge nail too hard on the head. Wow. I might have to pass. Yeah. You'd you'd look good in the. uh, in the turquoise one, I think. Oh, oh, very nice. And and so it's kind of like a Depop thing, isn't it? Is that that's what Depop is, right? Is um, is that what Depop is? Secondhand sort of clothes thing. 
Okay, well, I might just put it on Depop instead then, save okay. myself the advertising money. Yeah, pretend, yeah, you could do that. Um, yeah, so, so you've got many, many coloured blazers. Yeah. Uh, and and if it was for the purpose of a radio station, would it be some kind of emporium? What would you call it? What would you call your shop? It, Mr. McManus's Menagerie Emporium. Menagerie. Of- I was I was a menagerie of cloth. Menagerie of cloth. <laughs> I went for I went for a rhyming scheme and then forgot. I don't know how to rhyme. <laughs> a menagerie of cloth. Interesting. Um. So like, how important to you is uh, the look of a manager? Um. I I think it's. I I think now it's more important to look good than it is flashy. I have felt so much more confident doing things and being ringside in a suit that's actually made to fit yourself rather than just buying the first thing that comes up on ASOS okay. when you that you're like, "Oh, that looks zany. I'll have it." I I feel so in a in a proper suit that I've gone out and spent a decent bit of money on rather than just going watch cheap and looks ridiculous on a clothing website. I feel so much more comfortable doing things like that now. Mm. And would you ever kind of um, I'm sure you have in the past, haven't you? Would you ever shy away from a suit, go down a different look? Um. H has been desperate for me to wear a tracksuit to ringside. Yeah. Every the problem I've had is every time I've looked at trying to do something a little bit different, someone else has done it on TV like that week. I remember there being a thing of like I was like I'm going to get um my my partner's mother bought me a pair of them. They they they'd bought one of those inflatable hot tubs. And yeah. uh, she she very flatteringly uh, bought me a pair of medium swimming trunks in uh, in preparation for me having your a go in the hot tub. Your and, partner's uh, mother. My partner's mother bought me some swimming mm. swimming chunks. Yes. That's the relationship has gift. has progressed incredibly. <laughs> That's an expressive gift to an to an almost uncomfortable level. <laughs> But uh, very flatteringly uh, bought me a pair of medium swimming trunks and I am not a medium in any way, shape or form. So I was basically um, gifted a pair of hot pants um, and I was like, I can use this. I've I've got no shame left to give. I'll I'll come out in a pair of hot, hot pants. Well, I'm sure I can find a reason to come out in a pair of hot pants. And then uh, turned on AEW one week and Don Callis came out in a bright pink pair of hot pants. So scrubbed that idea out straight away. Hey, imitation's the best form of flattery. It is. It is. But not if you're the one that wants to be imitated. Uh, Okay. I don't know. I'm just going to try and say anything to try and get you to wear these. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I'll find a reason at some point. I'm sure there'll be there'll be some reason for me to wear uh, a pair of swimming trunks that don't quite fit me. Well, if any promoters are listening out there, um that's your there's your golden ticket. 
Uh, both Thomas Thomas Manis in um, speedos or me, medium. <laughs> Maybe not quite speedos. Yeah. Okay. Well, that can be discussed with uh, yeah. in, in DMs with with promoters. <laughs> Have you ever had any requests, <laughs> Tom? Um, there was there was a guy that we always like. There there was a guy that the people that people get like I think he's famous for it. I think he lives in like the Maldives or something like that. But he like likes to go around uh, British wrestlers and ask them the question, "Do you like to wrestle?" Before adding them, so it goes in your message requests. Right. Uh, when I used to work at the factory I worked at, it used to be like four. It like I used to have to get up at like four in the morning for early shifts, and I woke I woke up to a, a message request from this person, and I was just like, it was just like, "Hi Tom, do you like to wrestle?" And I was like, "It is too early for <laughs> this shit." <laughs> um, I've never had any like, I've had I've. I guess the weirdest request I've ever had from a promoter was, um, can you work a two minute match with Frankie Sloan? Um, and I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, we'll find out. <laughs> See you out there, kid. <laughs> it, was, it was basically that. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, to be fair, that was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. I absolutely like one of the people I genuinely adore. Um, and feel really privileged with that is Frankie Sloan. Um, he's a wonderful human being. Yeah, I remember Frankie uh, was temporarily GM. At- was he was in? Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Frankie's the reason. The reason we lost the editor of uh, of Wrestle really? Pro shows <laughs> because they had to edit Frankie's language so uh- much in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the amount of takes we did on uh, oh. things I remember because he would swear. Yeah, if child friendly, you can always bleep that stuff out, I guess. I mean, we had to. There came a point yeah. of like where it was like, Frankie, you're not gonna get this, so just say it how you want to say it, and we'll d- deal with it in post. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on then. Um, so over the last few years, the scene has absolutely exploded and. There are tons and tons of wrestlers about, and I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these wrestlers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Over or Under. In this section of the podcast, Tom, I'm going to say the names of several British wrestlers, and I want you to tell me if they are over or under. Remember, this is a rapid fire round. So, are you ready? Is this a shoe. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't prepare me for this. We'll find <laughs> out. And we are ready in three, two, one. Alexis Falcon. Over. Synergy. Um. I need you. Incredi- incredible, incredibly over from what I've seen. Shake Hell Sham. Over. Make the most nice over guy. Made to last. Um, haven't seen a huge amount, but they seem to be doing well. Joey Hayes. Over. Robbie X. Over. Hustle Malone. Over. 
You chicken. Can't, I can't. I've got, you've got to. It now it now becomes the point where it now becomes the point where none of these people will feel any validation whatsoever because I haven't shot on anyone whatsoever. I'm sorry, Tom. You've only got three out of ten right there. <laughs> <laughs> which which ones did I get wrong? Oh well, I'll have to find out. <laughs> um, oh, my my microphone went then. So, uh, moving on now. It's time for Quinn's Quibbles. Quinn's Quibbles. Tom, what really gets on your nerves in wrestling? Um, I have to say that this year is something that's really stood out for me. Um, and that I just, I, I, I understand the format of the fact that we're not in like any kind of proper territory system anymore, but. I, I just cannot get with the idea of working heel in one place and working face in the other within mm-hmm. the span of a couple of weeks. I just I I'm I'm never I'm never gonna I'm never gonna die on the hill for it because I'm at a point where I don't really care enough to die on hills. Um but I just it it does nothing for me and I don't think it does anything for the audience personally. Well, that I guess depends on whether the audience frequents there are, one there show. Are, there are certain exceptions, but I think that the exceptions are very limited to are you working in your hometown or not? Yeah, yeah. I Do you have a personal connection to this audience that means that you won't work? Or there are, there, again, there's there's personal things in the fact that if it's an audience that you debuted in um, and you've acclimatised, to, and that audience is very specific to a certain promotion. I think there are exceptions to it, but I think on a general sense where it's like, if I'm in such and such a place one week and I'm in such and such a place next week, and this is sort of like debuts on those shows, like for me, it's like you're either or. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I've ne- it must be, nice to be in that position and never been in that position myself i've always worked heel so yeah I'm able to wonder whether you know it makes sense or not uh from a personal perspective to to work heel one place and face another it's difficult because yeah the seat for for a learning curve it, it, it must be excellent to get an opportunity to to do both sides of the same coin but also it's like, what are we trying to build here at the end of the day? Is this just training until something comes along or, or is this an actual scene that we're trying to build? And if it's a scene that we're trying to build, I don't, I don't see how actively confusing the audience makes sense. I think, I think promotions are always at different stages and, and they're within the right to be because they'll have their own storylines. So the only the reason why yeah i i i can agree i can agree with that i think don't get me wrong i think it's to be fair i think it's just as much on the booker as it is on on the actual talent themselves but also maybe the talent do need to turn around and say like this doesn't make sense so maybe i shouldn't be doing it It it's it's you you're working towards an audience they should be at the audience would be different 
your audience would be as, as a promoter my audience could be different to yours if you were down south yeah i think i think perhaps from the perspective of if you're talking about far up north to far down south mm. but if you're only traveling the same sort of circuit and I think there's a possible chance that I think there's possible chance that there are now multiple circuits in the UK and fans are making the decision to stick with only one of those circuits. Um, mm. That's the general vibe I've got of the last year that there's there's there are separate circuits and those circuits will see very you'll see a lot of people who are very similar um at those circuit shows in the audience and in my head and again it's like if that's what's working for an audience that's what's working for an audience it's not for me to take away um from from people working together and building shows it just for me if i was a fan it wouldn't do it for me mm. it's a it's fair it's a fair point i think it would get confusing if mm. the I think I think it's all social media, isn't it? It would get confusing if every show was so marketed as as child friendly and and it was kids going to, to different circuits and then wondering why a wrestler's a heel in one place and a face in another. But it's a fair point. It is a fair point. Um, well made as well. Looking for the finest jackets in professional wrestling. Visit Mr. McManus's Menagerie of Cloth. From crushed velvet to satin, Mr. McManus's Menagerie of Cloth has everything you need when you step into the ring. Junction 21, M60. Uh, Tom, picture this. You are at a show and when suddenly you are contacted by the Prime Minister and he informs you that there is a zombie apocalypse starting at the show you're at. The fate of the world lies in your hands. You have a variety of wrestling weapons and or gimmicks at your disposal. What are you picking? Oh, for a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. It's got to, it's, oh, for a zombie apocalypse, it's got to be the steel chair. It's got to be the steel chair. Um, Why? Why is that? Because it, it'd, it'd be so much fun. To to fight to to actually, <laughs> this sounds awful and it sounds really sick. But if it's a zombie apocalypse, you can do you can do chair shots and you don't have to tell the person to put their hands up beforehand. <laughs> no, can you could really really go to town on a zombie with a steel chair. And and do you think it would be effective? There's a lot of it's the heavy the heavy steel chairs. And are they going to um, get? Yeah, but I can't I can't think of. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to put a zombie through a table because there's a lot of prep work that involved in that, and I feel like I wouldn't get to that point. Yeah. Um, Set the table up at the beginning of the apocalypse, ready for uh, the zombies yeah. to go through towards the end of it. Yes, you've got to, got to, make, sure, <laughs> got to make sure the saw's, saw's been through half of it at least mm. <laughs> to get a clean break. I don't, I don't know for a for a zombie apocalypse. I'm not sure whether a kendo stick would be very effective, but I've always enjoyed, uh, I've always enjoyed the old kendo stick. There is there is a stabby motion that you could do with a, the kendo stick through through the head. 
Yeah, but would it would it actually do anything? Well, we are working on the assumption that um, head uh, trauma is is the most effective way to down yes. it. Um, but usually it requires the affecting the brain. So I don't know if a steel chair is going to do it. Would a kendo stick have enough impact? Interesting. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's your show. You're perfectly well within your right. I can't. I can't think of a of an actual wrestling weapon where I'd be like. Be I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the point, isn't it? That it's got to be a. It's got to be sort of done with with blunt force in wrestling rather than uh, rather than sharp edges. You could go down. Um, you could go down gimmick routes like Conet's uh, tennis racket, or um, I mean, one thing that you probably wouldn't want to use. Um, would be mankind soccer. Yeah, that would be that would be a very bad idea. Dangerous. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, dangerous idea that. Now, obviously, you don't want to be in this zombie apocalypse on your own. Uh, strength in numbers. Okay. Uh, who would you want to be by your side whilst you're fighting the hordes? Anyone on the British scene? A hundred percent. I would love to see um, Jacob North pop a zombie's head off with his um fires like coconuts i believe greg lambert uh, <coughs> described them as when he first saw jacob north uh pcw academy show um i'd a hundred percent love to see that um that's a very good shout yes i'd i'd love to see jacob north popping zombies head off heads off with his fires um I, I feel like i could just hide behind synergy to be honest. Well, to be fair as well, I feel like um, Alex Boylan's just rebranded himself with the Rocker gimmick. Mm. Um, and they always seem to do very well in zombie apocalypses. Um, plus, the guitar would probably be actually a very effective weapon. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of uses for that uh, yeah. in that case. So I'd, I'd probably say Jacob North, Synergy and Alex Boylan. Okay, yeah. Uh, going back to Jacob North, I think um, I'd love to see him do his north to south DDT on a zombie. You know how, um, you know, that's his finisher, isn't it? You know, like how, like when you watch a, a film and, and like an action film and occasionally there'll be like a wrestling move in there. Like, a, oh, it's just they've done a powerbomb or uh, German suplexes seem to be like in now in films. Like I definitely I could envisage Jacob North doing his north to south DDT. DDT in is like a zombie film. The film would just be over though as soon as he did it. That's that's the problem with the North to South DDT is once it's done, <laughs> it's over. Credits would have to roll as soon as that DDT well, was hit. If it's a horde, there's a little bit of an issue, isn't there? I think maybe we 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 book this like a wrestling match. We build up to that point, don't we? We, be, we build up to it every time he tries to set it up. The horde <laughs> just swarms him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and finally on this topic. Who would you sacrifice? Who would you willingly push in front of zombies to help you escape, Tom? Everyone. Whoever wasn't going to be of any benefit to me whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no <laughs> no qualms with stating that I'm a massive coward. So, I'll so push... including the names from uh, our over or under segment, <laughs> pushing everyone in there. Any of them, any of them. I'd push... <laughs> I'd push the people on my own team if it meant I got away. <laughs> well, 
we're heading towards the end of, of, of this podcast now, Tom. Um, there's a, this next session section is around shout outs. So there are a lot of talented wrestlers out there and it, it is normally customary to give shout outs at the end of a podcast to wrestlers. But I really wanted to focus on maybe people behind the scenes, people who aren't in ring performers. When I say in ring performers, in ring wrestlers. Um, is there anyone out there who you feel maybe deserves more credit than they actually get or someone that you just want to give a shout out to? Yeah, um, I've spent a a lot of time over the last year with um, a lot of the folks at the PCW Academy. Um, and I think that they they are a bunch of people at the moment. People like, um, I mean, Death Row are starting to make an impact on the PCW shows. Um, and they're a really enjoyable watch. Um, a really sort of like one of those unorthodox tag teams that we that are great when they explode onto the scene, but you just don't see a huge amount of them them happening because cause training so uh, very tightly uniformed throughout the UK. Um, I think that um, a lot of the people backstage at PCW, I think they put a lot of time and effort into into getting those shows um i i think they definitely deserve a shout out um i've really enjoyed working for unstoppable um this year um it's always been a place that i've been really interested in going to and um those shows have been by far probably the the most enjoyable shows of anything i've done in wrestling so far um, I absolutely love doing unstoppable shows and I hope to get, I hope I get to do some more next year. Um, and I've, I've probably got to give a shout out to my partner B, um, who's been, who's been starting to work as a manager, um, doing some stuff at top rope. Um, I'm, I'm really super happy and really super proud of her, um, for, for getting into, for getting into it and finding a new role that she can sort of shine a light in. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, um, I've seen that she's been getting out there, but uh, your your missus. Aye. Uh, so that's nice to see. Uh, before we round up the podcast, Tom, tell us where we can find you on social media, and have you got any upcoming bookings coming up where uh, the Guiding Light Radio audience can can see you? Um, I have. Uh, the only socials you will ever really find me on is my Twitter at Tom Pro. I will probably tweet. I, I'll, I'll get back into it. I'll start doing more tweets um, and, and trying to do do some more self-promotion stuff probably in the new year. Um, don't add me on Facebook because I won't accept. Um, and I'll never have an Instagram account. I don't care if it costs me a contract. Um yeah, so you'll only ever find me on Twitter at Tom Mike Russell Pro. Uh, bookings wise, COVID's thrown a lot of stuff up in the air. So yeah. I know that a lot of the shows that I was scheduled to do in December have been pushed back. So I imagine that will probably depend on when Omnicrom decides to not be a thing anymore. Um, I know there is an effort with Pinfall to start bringing wrestling back to Bellevue. Um, but that is very much COVID dependent at the moment. So you will hopefully see, I would say look out for that because I think they're going to be absolutely mega shows when they come around. Um, have 
nowhere massively confirmed to plug. I don't I don't have a bucket list. That's my only thing at the moment. Like I'm just taking things as I get them. Um I'll I've, I'm interested in working if people want to work. Great. Yeah. Way forward and you've got to enjoy it as, as as well. Exactly, yeah. Otherwise it just becomes a chore, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, something you want to say about the last 45 minutes, Isaiah? Tom, bloody hell. Um, Tom, I'd like to thank you very much for today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. One final task from you, though. Could you summarise this podcast experience in five words or less? Over. <laughs> Fantastic. In more ways than one. Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to Guiding Light Radio. I have been your host, the Guiding Light, Isaiah Quinn. Stay tuned and remember, new life is just around the corner.